story time with Bryce and Mommy. <coughs> and today we are reading the story called Peter Pan by Jan Barry. Close by J.M. Barry. And we're actually picking up where we left off. We last left off on chapter 12. And during that chapter, we were talking about um, it's been a while. There was the battle on the lagoon where they were fighting and Captain Hook saw the um, alligator. And now we're going to start with chapter 13, which is <laughs> Wendy's story. Yep. We Wendy's have now come story. to the part of our story that will always be called the Night of Nights. Nothing much had happened that day. That evening, the Indians in their blankets were camped up above. Below, the children were having their evening meal, all except Peter, who had gone out to get the time. The way you got the time on the island was to find the crocodile and then stay near him till the clock struck the hour. And we have Mojo. And we have Mojo barking. Stop it! While Wendy sewed, the boys played around her. Oh, such a group of happy faces and happy dancing. The home under the ground was often a place of fun. But we are looking on it for the last time. There were footsteps above, and Wendy was the first to hear it. Children, I hear Peter's step. He likes you to meet him at the door. The excited boys dragged him from his tree. He had brought nuts for the boys as well as the correct time for Wendy. Peter, you just spoil them, you know, Wendy said. The boys all gathered round to feast on the delicious nuts before dressing for bed. None of them knew what lay ahead that night. Perhaps it was best not to know. They sang and danced in their nightgowns, and then at last they all got into bed for Wendy's story. It was the story they loved best, the story Peter hated. Usually when she began to tell this story, he left the room or put his hands over his ears, but tonight he remained on his stool. Wendy settled down to her story with little Michael and the other seven boys all around. There was once a gentleman. I'd rather he had been a lady, Curly said. I wish he had been a white rat, said Nibs. White rat? Yeah. Ah. Quiet, their mother warned them. There was a lady also, and, oh, mummy, cried the first twin. You mean there is a lady also, don't you? She's not dead, is she? Oh, no. Little less noise there, Peter called out. The gentleman's name, Wendy continued, was Mr. Darling, and her name was Mrs. Darling. I knew them, John said, to annoy the others. I think I knew them, said Michael. They were married, you know, explained Wendy, and what do you think they had? White rats, cried Nibs. No. They had three children, said Toodles, who knew the story by heart. Wendy continued, now these three children had a faithful nurse called Nana. But Liza, the housekeeper, was angry with her and chained her up in the yard, and so the three flew away to the Neverland, where the lost children are. Oh, Wendy, cried Toodles. Was one of the last children called Toodles? Yes, he was. I am in a story. Hurrah! I am in a story, Nibs, chirped Toodles. Hush! Now I want you to think of the unhappy parents with all their children flown away, Wendy scolded. Oh, they all moaned, not really thinking of the feelings of the unhappy parents one bit. Think of the empty beds. Oh, 
It's awfully sad, the first twin said cheerfully. I don't see how it can have a happy ending. <clears throat> said the second twin. Do you, Nibs? If you knew how great a mother's love is, Wendy told them proudly, you would have no fear. She had now come to the part that Peter hated. You see, Wendy said, the children knew that the mother would always leave the window open for when they flew back. So they stayed away for years and had a lovely time. Did they ever go back? Of course, said Wendy, and they found the window still standing open. Now they knew their mother had always loved them and knew they would return home to her. So up they flew to their mummy and daddy, and of course... They were the happiest family that has ever been. The end. That was the story, and it was indeed such a good story about a mother's love. But there was someone who knew better, and when Wendy finished, he uttered a groan. What is it, Peter? Wendy cried, running to him, thinking he was ill. Wendy, you are wrong about mothers. They all gathered around him. He began to speak softly the secret he had never dared to tell. Long ago, he said, I thought, like you, that my mother would always keep the window open for me. So I stayed away for moons and moons. When I flew back, the window was shut, for my mother had forgotten all about me, and there was m another little boy sleeping in my bed. I'm not sure that this was true, but Peter thought it was true, and it scared them. Are you sure mothers are like that? The children cried. Yes. John and Wendy looked at one another and Michael began to cry. Wendy, let us go home, whispered John. Yes, she said, clutching them. Not tonight, asked the lost boys. At once, Wendy replied firmly. Perhaps mother has had a half-broken heart by this time. Then she added rather sharply. Peter, will you get everything set for our return? If you wish it, he replied. He was actually a bit angry, of course. I will request that the Indians guide you through the woods. Thank you, Peter. Then Tinkerbell will take you across the sea. Wake her, Nibs. Of course, Tink was happy to hear that Wendy was going, but she did not want to hear her be her guide. She said so in very naughty language. Then she pretended to be asleep again. She says she's, she won't, Nibs exclaimed. Tink, Peter called out, if you don't get up and dress at once, I will open the curtains and... Then we shall all see you in your nightgown. This made her leap to the floor. Who said I wasn't getting up, she cried. The boys looked sadly at Wendy. Dear ones, she said, if you all come with me, I'm sure I can get my father and mother to adopt you. At once they jumped with joy. Peter, can we go, they all begged. All right, Peter replied with a bitter smile. They rushed to get their things. Get your things, Peter, Wendy said. No. He answered, pretending to be busy. I'm not going with you, Wendy. Yes, Peter. No. But don't you want to find your mother, she coaxed. No, no, he told Wendy firmly. Perhaps she would say I was old and I just want to always be a little boy and to have fun. But Peter, Wendy's voice had begun to shake. No. And said the other, so the others had been told. Peter isn't coming. Peter not coming? They gazed blankly at him. They carried their bundles on sticks over their backs. Now then, cried Peter, no fuss, no crying. Goodbye, Wendy. 
He held out his hand cheerily and pretended not to care. But of course we know he does, don't we? Yay. Wendy shook his hand sadly. You'll remember about changing your pajamas, Peter, she said. She was always so particular about their pajamas. Yes. And you will take your medicine? Yes. There was a silence. Peter was not the kind to cry in front of others. Are you ready, Tinkerbell, he called out. Aye, aye. Then lead the way. Tink darted up the nearest tree. No one followed her, for it was at this moment that the pirates had made their attack upon the Indians. Above, where there had been silence, there were now the awful sounds of shrieking and the clashing of steel. All the children froze in horror, and some of the smaller ones ran to hide. As for Peter, he seized his sword. You said you had a question? No. Oh. Want to do the next chapter? Just scared. Chapter 14, The Children Are Carried Off. The pirate attack had been a complete surprise. The Piccaninnies knew that the pirates were on the island, but the Indians had fallen asleep. When they awoke, they found the pirates upon them, and the battle was over very quickly. The Indians fought bravely, but were defeated by the pirates. The tribe ran into the woods in safety. for safety. Hook, however, did not stop to celebrate, for it was not the Indians he had come to destroy. It was Pan that he wanted. Pan and Wendy and the boys, but mostly Pan. Peter was such a small boy, yet Hook hated him so. Peter had flung Hook's arm to the crocodile, but you see that there was more to Hook that, hate, that, hated about, that Hook hated about the boy. Peter was cocky and bold, and it was this very boldness that had gotten on Hook's nerves. It made his iron claw twitch. At night, it disturbed him like an insect. More than anything, Hook wanted to be feared by all of the cocky, bold, and joyous boys who would ever hear the name of Hook. He knew that Peter did not fear him and that the boys considered him a game. Soon enough, they must all even forget Hook existed. It was this thought that drove the nasty-hearted captain crazy. In the meantime, what are the boys? Well, we have seen them running for hiding places and Peter getting ready for battle, but now all was quiet. Which side had won? The pirates were listening at the hollow trees and heard every word. If the engines have won, Peter said, they will beat the tom-tom drum. It is always their sign of victory. Now Smee had found the tom-tom and Hook quietly told him to beat on it. Smee smiled at the evil plan. Twice, Smee beat upon the drum and then stopped to listen gleefully. The tom-tom, the pirates heard Peter cry, an Indian victory. The poor children cheered and then went to wriggle up their trees to the ground above. The evil pirates smirked at each other and rubbed their hands together. Each pirate stood by a tree, ready to snatch the boys. The first to emerge from his tree was Curly. He rose out of it into the arms of Seko, who flung him to Smee, who flung him till, uh, who flung him to Starkey, who flung him to Noodler, who flung him to the, fell at the feet of the black pirate. All the boys were plucked from their trees in the same rude manner. Several of them were in the air at a time, like bales of hay flung from hand to hand. Wendy, who came last, received a different treatment. She rose from her tree, and Hook raised his hat to her. He offered his arm and escorted her to the spot where the others were being gagged. He did it with such an air. He was so frightfully, frightfully polite that she forgot to cry out. She was only a little girl. The children were tied up to keep them from flying away. All went well until Slightly's turn came. As soon as one part of him was tied up, another bit bulged out. Hook looked on... 
as the pirates tried to tie the round little boy up. Suddenly, the evil pirate began to giggle with glee. How, he wondered, does this plump little boy go up and down a tree without getting stuck? Surely his tree must be fairly large to fit him. Hook glared at Slightly, looking him up and down. Then he smiled as if he were planning something. Poor Slightly began to shudder, for he knew something. Poor Slightly knew that Hook was thinking of going down his hollowed-out tree. Oh, poor Peter, worried Slightly. Oh, now Hook would have him for sure. Hook could hardly wait to surprise the boy captain. He ordered that the captives be taken to the ship. The pirates flung the children into a huge basket and with a great heave-ho, tossed the basket upon their shoulders and marched off through the forest, singing their hateful pirate chorus. The first thing Hook did on finding himself alone was to tiptoe to Slightly's tree and make sure that he would fit inside. He listened for any sound from below, but all was silent. The house under the ground seemed to be empty and still. Was that boy asleep, or did he stand waiting at the foot of Slightly's tree with his dagger in hand? There was no way of knowing but by going down. He dropped his cloak to the ground and slipped into the trunk of the tree like a great black snake. He dropped silently out the other end and stood still. As his eyes got used to the dim light, he saw a great bed in the corner. A smile crept across his face, for there, fast asleep, lay Peter Pan. All right, we'll do chapter 15. Do you believe in fairies? Peter had no idea of what happened above. He was playing joyfully on his pipes, no doubt trying to prove to himself that he did not care. Then he nearly cried, but it struck him how childish he would seem, and so he laughed instead. He laughed a great bold laugh and fell asleep in the middle of it. Thus, Hook found him. He stood silent at the foot of Slightly's tree, looking across the chamber at his enemy. It was then that his eyes rested on Peter's medicine with an easy reach on the ledge. He took from his coat pocket a wicked potion given to him by an evil sea witch. He always carried it with him, for he never knew when he might need to poison an enemy. And to Hook, there was no greater enemy than Peter Pan. He pulled the cork from the small bottle and poured a few yellowish drops into Peter's cup. Then he turned and wormed his way up the tree. As he climbed out the top, he looked meaner than ever. He put on his hat and pulled his cloak around him. Holding one end in the front to his face to hide himself from the night, he sneaked away through the trees. Peter slept on. It must have been not less than ten o'clock by the crocodile when he suddenly sat up in his bed, wakened by something. It was a soft, cautious tapping on the door of his tree. Peter felt for his dagger till his hand gripped it. Let me in, Peter, said a lovely bell-like voice. It was Tink, and quickly he unbarred the door. She flew in excitedly, her face flushed and her dress stained with mud. What is it? Oh, you can never guess, she cried, and told of the capture of Wendy and the boys. Peter's heart bobbed up and down as he listened. Wendy tied up on the pirate ship. I'll rescue her, he cried, leaping at his weapons. As he left, he thought of something he could do to please Wendy. He could take his medicine. He picked up his cup. No, shrieked Tinkerbell, who had heard Hook mutter about his wicked deed as he sped through the forest. Why not? It's poisoned. Poisoned? Who could have poisoned it? Hook, don't be silly. How could Hook have gotten down here? Alas, Tinkerbell could not explain this, for even she did not know. 
but she did not mistake Hook's words. The cup was poisoned. Besides, said Peter, quite sure that she was mistaken, I never fell asleep. He raised the cup. No time for words now, time for deeds. With one of her lightning movements, Tink got between his lips and the potion and drank it all. Why, Tink, how dare you drink my medicine? But she did not answer already. She was reeling in the air. What is the matter with you, cried Peter, suddenly afraid. It was poisoned, Peter, she told him softly, and now I'm going to be dead. Oh, Tink, did you drink it to save me? Yes. But why, Tink? Her wings could scarcely carry her now, but in reply, she alighted on his shoulder and gave his chin a loving bite. She whispered in his ear, you silly nincompoop, and then, fluttering to her chamber, lay down on the bed. Peter's head almost filled the opening to her little room as he knelt near her in distress. Every moment, her light was growing fainter, and he knew that if it went out, that she would be no more. Her voice was so low, Peter could barely hear her. She was saying that she thought she could get well again if children believed in fairies. Peter flung out his arms. There were no children there, and it was nighttime, but he addressed all who might be dreaming of the Neverland, and who were nearer to him than you think. Boys and girls in their nighties, and naked Indian babes in their baskets, hung from trees. Do you believe, he cried? Tink sat up to listen to her fate. What do you think? She asked Peter. If you believe, he shouted to them, clap your hands. Don't let Tink die. Many clapped. Some didn't. A few beastly children hissed. But the clapping had saved Tink. First, her voice grew strong. Then she popped out of bed. Then she was flashing through the room more merry than ever. And now to rescue Wendy, proclaimed Peter. The moon was riding in a cloudy heaven when Peter rose from his tree, armed with weapons and ready to fight. He had hoped to fly, but feared the enemy would see him. There was no other course but to press forward in engine fashion. The crocodile passed him, but no other living thing. Not a sound, not a movement. Yet he knew well that sudden death might be at the next tree or stalking him from behind. He swore this terrible oath, hook or me this time. He was frightfully happy. All right, that's all we're going to read tonight. We'll pick up next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.